Amen. Wonderful. Okay, if we can tee up the, uh, the video, one of the things that we're doing um, over these coming weeks is, um, as I said at the start of the service, we're engaging with this sort of uh, wider Church of England initiative, Thy Kingdom Come. And last year, uh, Justin Welby, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, did a number of interviews with different leaders of various different key things. Um, uh, and we're going to be looking, having, have, looking at an interview each week uh, for, the, uh, for, the, for the, today and the next uh, three or four weeks. Um, and uh, today we have an interview. Uh, let me just check. I got it wrong in the first service. Uh, we have an interview with... Uh, a lady called Rachel Jordan Wolfe, who is the National Mission and Evangelism Advisor to the Church of England. Um, and one of the, what, what they're talking about particularly is about uh, Thy Kingdom Come is particularly focused around the 10, 11 days between uh, Ascension and Pentecost. And if you don't know, if you're, you know, if you're a, a normal person and don't know exactly off the top of your head where exactly when Ascension falls, uh, 10 days before Pentecost, uh, which is this year on the 9th of June. So running from uh, the 10 days immediately before uh, the 9th of June. That's why we're encouraging people to spend time, particularly then praying for people who we know who maybe don't yet uh, know Jesus. Um, but we're looking at our whole sermon series up until then at this. Um, anyway, that's enough of me talking for the moment. Um, we're going to just uh, watch this video, um, and hopefully you'll find it interesting, um, hearing from a different perspective, uh, and then uh, after that we're going to have our reading and hear from Glynn. So, Rachel, welcome. It's lovely to have you this afternoon here. You are the Church of England's National, National Mission and Evangelism Advisor, that sort of snappy title yeah, that rolls nice off the and tongue. Short. Um, as we're preparing for this, these 11 days of uh, prayer and we pray thy kingdom come, what, what happens do you think when we pray thy kingdom come? Um, I think the first, often we think maybe something mega is going to happen that's big somewhere else, but huh. often I think God puts a mirror on us yes. and I always find it comes straight back to the challenge of me and whether God, whether I'm willing to let God's kingdom come in my life first. And what's that look like, if you are? Um, it looks like, um, for example, you get on the tube in the morning. I, I, I live in London. And you get on the tube and it's really jammed. And you have remembered to take your rucksack off, because that's on all the posters, to be nice to people. You take the rucksack off and you have it down here. There's more space then. And then the person crams in behind you in that last minute before the door's shut, and their rucksack is on their back. And they sort of their rucksack hits into you. And you're like, my instant reaction is, well, haven't they read the posters? I'm really frustrated. He's just squashed into my space. And then I remember that I've prayed, uh, thy kingdom come. And I'm like, oh. So I turn around to look at this person. And then I think, I wonder if anyone's ever prayed for him in the whole of his life. And then I start to pray for him, that God's kingdom will come in his life. And it's that change in me that I think is where God's kingdom needs to come first. When we're looking at the church as a whole, and we pray, thy kingdom come. What would be your hopes coming out of these 11 days? What's your vision for where it goes? So you think about all those individuals, and if we all are saying, God, you can start with me. Yeah. Then that's huge, that transformation is a massive wave. It's a massive wave of people who are gonna act differently in every circumstance, who are gonna be almost at the disposal of God everywhere that he's put him, uh, 
wherever he's put us, if he's put us in an office, if he's put us in a garage, if he's put us um, in a supermarket, in all of those places, suddenly there is a representative of God's kingdom on earth. And that changes every situation that they're in. And so I hope that it will then be open to being that representative, be that that we're praying for people, be that that we act differently, be that we speak out about injustice, be that we speak about our faith, but that we are really letting God work in us so that, but then there there is that massive movement, but it's through each of us together. At that point about speaking out about our faith, because obviously one of the things we're doing in these 11 days is praying for people to come to know Jesus Christ and be, become his disciples. What, what can people do to prepare themselves to be the answer to the prayer they're praying? So in the way you describe. So how can people get a bit more ready for it? One of the things I think is practice, like with other Christian friends. It's really interesting if you ask, um, like in your church or in a midweek or something, you could just have a go at sharing something that God, what, what has God done for you this week or this month? What, what would you say in response to that question? And right. so we could practice it a bit. And then that means that when we're in that position where we're chatting to a friend and they're like, well, what's that like? We're actually not scrabbling around going, oh, I can't oh, think what to say. But we've actually gone, oh, well, you know, well, just this last week, you know, for example, I got on the tube and you could, you could even give that example. So it could be a really small thing. It doesn't have to be that you, you know, came off drugs with the help of Jesus. It could be a small thing in the way that he's changed your life or how he's helped you in any given circumstance. But even if we thought about it in advance, maybe practiced it, we'd be ready when, when someone opens that door for us to speak. Thank you very much. Great. So, no, do you want to come? Uh, Tony's going to bring us our reading from uh, Matthew's Gospel. Slight, ch- slight change from what's on the notice sheet. Um, and then Glynn is going to come and speak with us. So the reading is from Matthew 28, 16 to 20, which is on page 946 of the Pew Bibles. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Cheers, Shona. Um, good morning. You're right. Um, what do you get out of, like, what do you get out of your faith in God or, or what would you like to get out of your faith in God? Okay. Just ponder it a moment. There's no right or wrong answers. But what do you get out of it? Who said that? Wrong. Yeah, no, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Purpose. Yeah, purpose. You're not here for, for a random reason you're here for a purpose yeah. forgiveness peace and forgiveness yeah peace wow. it's a big thing in it really anyone get stressed out anxious no just me 
yeah, peace, forgiveness, yeah. He was, uh, well, okay, yeah. So it's a, it's a framework through which you make sense of the world going on around you, okay. Yeah, meaning, sense. Anyone else get any, get any? The kind of stuff which if you didn't have, you'd be like scrabbling around. What, what else do you get out of this faith in God? Hope. Got here, hope. Yeah. When everything is bleak, this is hope. Yeah. Joy. Someone said joy. Joy. Great. Yeah. Helen. Never being alone. Yeah. Company eternal. (laughs) Yeah. Good company as well. Thanks for those. I'm sure that there are other things which you all... um, would share had we had had we time. Um, a, a few years back, I was in Chester and I was with a mate called Rachel uh, from uh, Newcastle. And um, I'm sat on a bench and, and we're, we've got these like cards. They look like tarot cards. They're not tarot cards. They're kind of like the Christian version of tarot cards. So like each card has a, a, a depiction of. Um, an event in Jesus' life. So you've got like the, you know, the birth and the angels coming along. And anyway, I'm mucking about with them. And um, as we're there, we're just saying a few prayers for people that go past a bit like what Rachel Jordan was saying then. And, um, and as I'm watching people and just muttering a prayer, this girl comes over with a mate. Um, and she definitely should have been in school this day, okay? It was about lunchtime, and uh, she was of the age of school. And she's watching us, and we're watching people. And um, she just walks up bold as brass, and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I felt like saying, what are you doing? You should be in school. I'll get to school. Um, but she's a really, she had something about a really cocky character. And um, I said, oh, I, you know, I'm praying, actually. Yeah. And she's like, what's that? And she points at the cards. So I held out the cards and I said, well, yeah, pick a card, any card. And she's expecting a card trick or something, you know. And she takes a card and it is the trial of Jesus. It's the moment uh, when he's been brought in front of the, the lawyers and the Pharisees um, on the evening before they take him and crucify him. And she has no idea what this is about, right? Okay, and she's like, what's happening? And I'm saying, well, you heard of Jesus? And she's like, yeah. It's like, well, here's what happens. And I tell her the story of him and how he got there and what was happening and why they couldn't really pin anything on him, but they were going to nail him up because of his claim and life, which pointed to him being God. And then she looked at me, right, and, you know, without flinching, no, she wasn't taking the mick, and she said, did he get off? <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I'm like, I kind of like, went, <laughs> did he get off? Um, but the look in her eye indicated that she wasn't joking at all. It was a genuine question. And rattling through my brain is like, how is it in the 21st century with 2,000 years of Christianity and a good schooling system and plenty of blah, 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 how is it that this bright kid doesn't know what happened next? And um, I said to her, like, are you for real? Like, you don't know what happened? She's like, no, what happened? And, um, and, and I said, I think that 
what happened is ultimately important for you because it is linked to purpose. And what happened in this man's life, hey mate, is to do with why you're on the planet. And if you don't find out what happened in this man's life, then you're not going to find out why you're on the planet. Something along those lines. And she was like, well, tell me. And I'm like, no. (laughs) If this is that important, then you will go and find out for yourself. And straight away, she's there, and she walks over to this guy who's been listening in, and she's like, do you know what happened to Jesus after the trial? (laughs) And this fella's like, "Uh, yeah. (laughs) And she says, tell me. And for a few moments, I hear this guy who starts to talk about whipping and beating and then he starts to carry on and at that point Rachel and I we we just feel like we we no longer are needed in that situation and we wander off as this guy starts to tell the story of did he get off Um, this passage you've heard today it's from the book of Matthew now um if you don't know, Matthew is, is one of the four accounts of Jesus' life written. And it's specifically written for Jewish people. Um, and you can tell by looking at it and comparing it to other accounts that the, the way it's written is definitely a, a talking to the Jewish people of the first century. And the passage you hear is in the 28th uh, chapter. And it's really the bit where Jesus has died and he's come back from death and he's there with some of his friends and followers and the passage says some of them worshipped him but some doubted just clock that one this is not a passage for everyone who's like we got it i meet christianity it's for people who are trying to work this out and he says, the, you know, he, he says, go into, all authority has been given to me, go into to the nations, make disciples of all people, baptizing them, and I'll be with you until the end of the age. Now, there are people in the groups we hang about in, whether that's your work friends, your uni mates, school, down the pub, whatever, whatever groups you're part of, there are people who undoubtedly have no idea about the things you get out of your faith, purpose, love, joy, hope, all these things. They have no idea what Jesus is actually all about. And fair enough, why would they? Because there's nobody in that little bubble who lives and talks of Jesus. Yeah? If you don't believe me, then ask that girl I spoke to because she genuinely had a, no idea what faith in Jesus was about. Little tribes, little bubbles, little groups of people floating about who have no idea what on earth we are on about in this room. The word for, for, for those little tribes and groups of people in Greek is ethnos. Okay, ethnos means a people who share a way of life, habits, patterns. That's where we get our, our, our word ethnic from. But when you read this passage and you hear it, you, you hear go into all the world, 
make disciples of all nations. Now, I don't know about you, but you could be forgiven for thinking that means go and be a missionary. So go, and, go to Africa, go to South America, you know, be a missionary and do the work of the Lord. But the word in the passage is not nations as in countries, it is ethnos. Go to all the little tribes and groups of people and let them know what, what I am about. And for you and me, what that means is not go and live in China, although some of you may need to do that. But it means in the groups, the tribes, the friendship places, the ethnos that you live in, go and bring and live the good news of Jesus in your tribe. Okay? That is what this passage is saying. Because, like it or not, you are God's plan for your friends and your family and the people that you hang about with. You are God's plan. Um, a while ago, many of you will have seen the Free Hugs campaign and, and, um, and first gave it a go and it, it, it almost went horrifically wrong. Um, uh, and I've written about this in my new book. Um, but the, the idea is, like for me and my friends, was that the free hugs was a picture of the prodigal son parable. So what we'd do is we'd hold up the free hugs and people would come up. And some people would just be like, hey, you know, great, have a good day. And some people would say, why are you doing it? And I'd give them a little like luggage tag and on it it said like the father saw the son coming from a distance and he ran out to meet him and embraced him and kissed him on the cheek. And, and I'd say, this is a picture of what God feels about you. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, thank you, or whatever. And so um, every now and then with a few friends, we'll go out and do that. Um, but one time I was in Chester University there and I was doing it. And, and we were having a great time, loads of people knocking about and loads of good conversations. And there's a group of lads there watching us. Um, and they were from um, India, exchange students. And I went over to chat to them. And they said, what, what, what are you doing? And so I explained about the parable of the... Um, this prodigal son and explained this was a picture of it like that and the guy listened you know and he then looked and he said um do you believe your god is all powerful and i said uh, yeah and then he said well why does your god need you to do his marketing for him that's what i thought uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah good question <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And then I just said what I believed. I just said, you know what? I don't think he does need me. I think he just, he just likes me. He just likes inviting me into the things he does. In fact, I probably make this a lot worse for God, right? I probably cause more mayhem and havoc that God has to sort out. But you know what? Just as I want my girls in the things I do, goodness me, they wreck it sometimes. <laughs> then he wants us. So you are God's plan for your people. You're God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. And you're not God's plan A because you're like some super Christian or you know all the answers. Or you've been to church for X number of years. You're God's plan because he thinks you're somebody special. He actually thinks that you are 
a gifted and wonderful person. And so you're his plan for the people you knock about with. So if you are the plan of God, then this passage then says, go and make disciples, baptize them. Goodness me, how do you do that? You know, get down to the football pitch and make disciples and baptize them. So I think actually this is a lot simpler than that sounds. I think in one sense, to make a disciple takes a church. Okay, for somebody to actually grow in their faith with God, it takes a whole load of colorful and quirky people which are in front of me now. I'm not called to make a disciple on my own. I would just screw it up royally. But I am called to start that process. And I think that that is your role in making disciples, is to start a process. My mum passed away a few years back. And um, she passed away in Bangor Hospital. And, you know, after, you, after it's all happened, you're in a bit of a daze, aren't you, if anyone's been through this. And one of the things I had to do was go and get the death certificate to start to activate certain processes. And um, I'm there with uh, Betty, uh, <laughs> my daughter there. And we're walking along and we go to the registration, or well, the registry office, I don't know what you call it. It's in the hospital. And um, you have to have an appointment, so you buzz on the thing and then you wait. And a lady came down and um, she opened the door and we walked in. And we sat down and... For 45 minutes, she plied me with factual questions about my mother and her life and her death. And Betty's there, very quiet, being a good girl. And I'm there, and I'm looking for just an ounce of humanity. I'm sad, I'm upset. And I'm just looking for just a smile, just a a movement, and and nothing. This lady's like a robot. (laughs) She is bureaucracy. Alive. <laughs> and for 45 minutes, she's there asking me these questions about my mum. And I'm just thinking, like, c- can you not just, like, you know, smile or can you at least say, are you all right or something? And through the process, I must admit, at the end, I was a bit frustrated with this lady. I felt like saying, you don't do your job very well. <laughs> but I didn't. And then as I stood to go up, to leave with Betty, and she did say to Betty, you've been a very good girl. I was thinking, oh wow, there is hope. And um, that, what Rachel Jordan said then, do you know when she said she was in the tube and someone gets in the backpack and smacks into her or something, and she, said, she turned it into a praying for that lady. Well, that happened to me in the registry office. As I went to leave, I felt like I should say a prayer for this lady, you know. And I'm there talking to the Almighty thinking, on your bike, have you seen a God? You know, <laughs> she's not very nice. And, uh, but I really felt like I should, and so I didn't. I walked out with Betty, shut the door, <laughs> good riddance. <laughs> but then as I got through the park, car park, park, park uh, I'm thinking, what's wrong with you, Glyn? Like, you know, you can, you, you're able to do loads of things and you think you're ace and all this, but you can't even say to this lady, you know, she's it's such an affront, you can't say to her, is there anything I can pray for you? So I thought, you know what, life's too short. And I went back and I pressed the buzzer, waited, and the lady came down, you know, yes. <laughs> she's probably thinking I've forgotten something. Opened the door and I said, listen, um, I wanted to apologize um, when I was in there uh, as I was leaving. I say prayers every day. 
Um, and I thought I should say to you, is there anything I can keep you in my prayers for? And, um, and then the robot became a human being. She just, you, you saw her come like alive, you know? And she said, um, yeah, um, can you pray for me and my family? No hesitation, no discussion about God. She said, uh, I've lost my mum. An idiot here is like, hey, me too. <laughs> and we had a moment, and, and I, I held a hand, yeah? And I don't think I actually prayed anything there and then, but I just held a hand and said, I will pray for you and your family today. And she was like, thank you for that. And we had a moment together. Um, you know when a group of people, like the people you knock about with in work or in the pub or in, in uni, you know when people have no way of talking about God? Like the notion might be there, but, but they're not used to talking about God. You just can't do it, can you? You know, it's like you talking about quantum physics or something. Like you're just there bumbling a load of nonsense, like this dark hole black molecules <laughs> it just comes out it's just foreign language you know and for most of these ethnos these groups that we live and operate in god talk is just not there because they are god illiterate of course they are a whole generation has passed in which the discussion of god has been absent it's a foreign language redemption salvation grace their lyrics in pop songs and so, for people to be able to start to talk about God, to open up those things which everyone thinks about, they need to develop a language. And if they need to develop a language, then we need to learn to speak Christian in our time and our friendship groups. How do you learn a language that you don't know? Um, I'll give you an example. I'm going to do French, okay? Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know you, right? I hope you're not going to hit me back, but I'm going to hit you. Okay? (laughs) What does this mean? Okay. The word for that in French, right? Fashy. Fashy. What am I? I am. What's the English word for that? Angry. Angry, yeah. Okay. You saw my face, you saw my body, you saw what I did. You, you got it, didn't you? You got it here. And then all I need to do is furnish you with the word. Okay? What's this? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is that in English? What's the word? Happy, yeah, happy will do. Okay? So I can give you the word or someone can give you the word for that in Welsh or French. So you learn a language by experiencing something that you know. You know it, yeah? You just don't know the words for it. And then when someone gives you the word for it, you can operate. And it's the same with God. If people don't know how to talk about God, then they need somebody to live and talk in a way that makes sense here. And when they talk about it, they will develop language. Yeah? And your friends and my friends who know nothing about God need to learn a language, okay? Which for us, 
and many of us is something we're learning it. And that starts with you living and talking about your faith in these little groups that you inhabit. It starts with you, but eventually, if anyone's to be discipled and baptized and all these other things, then it means the church operating. And so just as you at some point have been invited to take a a, a part in this church, then so you should extend that invitation to other people, yeah? In your lives, invite people to come and make what they want of this place and these people, yeah? Why should they have to find their way in on their own? You know, we all at some point have an experience of God distant past, recent past, whatever it is. Something special in our life which gives us a sense of peace or hope or purpose, etc. And many of us will go try and go back to that time when you and God felt close. And I understand that. I understand it in any relationship. You know, we, we nostalgically look back. But that's not the way of God. God doesn't nostalgically look back to when you and him had a moment. See, God calls us out to step out. And it's in the stepping out that our relationship with God, our discipling happens. Okay, God can't drive a parked car. He can only direct something that is in movement. And that means for you to grow in your relationship with God, then you need to move. You need to step out. Jesus says, I will be with you at the end. At the end of this passage, he says, I will be with you until the end of the age. But it's not, I will be with you till the end of the age. It's, go and make disciples of all these groups, baptizing them, and I will be with you until the end of the age. It is in the doing of that that God is with you. It's not in some dusty old memory in the past. So you and your life in God needs to be stepping out. You can't stay where you are. Second thing is there's a principle throughout these letters and books and poems and the life of the church. And the principle goes something along these lines. But when you receive something from God, something good, yeah, you can't keep it for yourself. You might enjoy it and relish it and give thanks for it, okay? But you can't hoard the goodness of God for yourselves. Because what happens when you hoard your daily bread is that it goes dry and you try and get back to fresh bread. And then it goes stale and then it goes moldy. And the good things that God has given you will become the very things that poison you. Unless you follow what God says and give them out. Freely you have received, Matthew 10 says, freely give. It's not freely you have received, keep it all to yourself. So in a sense, you don't have a choice. It's a way to grow, but it's also a way to live. Pope Francis writes that life is attained and matures 
in the extent it is given out freely to other people. So when you share your purpose and your hope and your joy and all those things you said at the beginning, when you share them out and give them to other people, you grow, yeah? And you attain life. And you as a disciple of God develop and you strengthen, okay? It's not just a principle to be followed. It's a life to be lived. Revelation is the last book of the... um, Christian New Testament and um, a guy's sort of like it's having like a, a dream as it were and a picture of, of the end of all times and he sees um, he sees it well I'll, I'll read it for you it's in Revelation 7 um, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every ethnos yeah? Every group, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Okay, it's full of metaphors and that. But there's a great, at one point, there will be a great multitude of people from every group. And you know the group that you're part of, your mates down the pub, or your uni friends, or my football friends. They should be present. They are invited to be a part of that great multitude. This passage is called the Great Commission, yeah? But if your friends and my friends and those people who've got no idea about Jesus aren't there, then it will be the great omission. So everything you said at the beginning about what you get out of faith, okay, your purpose, your peace, your direction, your perception of the world, they're all gifts from God. You know what? They're wonderful. The fact that you are God's friend and chosen person is the most humbling gift. Share it out. Live it out. Talk about it. And if anyone's interested, invite them along to be a part of it. How do you do that practically? Buy my book. <laughs> I'd suggest, right, practically speaking, every one of you has been prayed for somewhere along the line. Okay. There are people who pray and are praying for you way before you probably knew it. So you've got friends in the groups that you knock about with and I would suggest that you start each day by putting their name on your fridge or your phone or whatever it is and and say a prayer for them. You know, there are loads of people in this room, my kids the first, that I have prayed for, you know, just written them down. You, Michelle, you've been a prayer on my phone. My friend before, just characters I've met, and I say a prayer for them. Not because I'm some, you know, faith hero, but it's just that that's what I can do, and you can do that. Second thing is the things you've received. Give them, talk about them with people. Let people know about them. Okay, they're good news. They're good things. 
There's nothing odd about peace or joy or hope or purpose. There's nothing weird about that. As Betty and I left the car park, um, she probably won't remember this, but because she looked at me and she said, um, why did you say that? And um, I said, what do you mean? She said, why did you say that to that lady? Um, and I said, well, you know, that lady's had a hard time. She's lost a mum. And it's important that, you know, she knows that she's cared for and that. And Betty looks at me and she's like, yeah, but why did you say that? And I'm like, because, you know, we're Christians and like, you know, we're supposed to, I don't know. <laughs> Well, why did you say that? And at this point, I'm starting to get a bit like, listen, girl, like, you know, knock it off. (laughs) And then she said to me, and she said it in French, because she speaks French and I listen in French. And uh, she said, now, why did you say to her, this sounds a bit odd, but can I pray for you? Because in her little head, there's nothing odd about praying for somebody who's hurting. That's not weird. There's nothing weird about talking to someone about purpose when they're lost. There's nothing weird about talking about hope when you're depressed. There's nothing odd or weird about giving somebody peace when they're stressed. That's not odd. And my daughter read it. What is odd was my suggestion that it was odd. Okay. So what you have, give it out. Talk about it in your way. Okay. And people will come to know for themselves that God is good. And everything that you have is on offer for them as well. Okay. Where's Graham gone? <laughs> hey, don't leave me here. <laughs>